Welcome, everybody, to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment or any of the stories we discuss here today, please uh, raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity where we make it our mission to elevate the serviceability of travel management companies, whilst also eliminating the disruption caused by bookings being made in multiple channels. Welcome, everyone. I'm Anne, and I'm a consultant with Leapshift. Happy to help you with anything related to retail, distribution, and you see in one order. I also work as an instructor with both IOTA and Class. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Also, I am the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. So we're going to throw things around and start with something different this week. Space News! Something might have happened, right, Ash? A couple of things happened this past few days. Super exciting that uh, finally Space News makes it to the top of this segment on our weekly call here. Today, I am happy to inform you all, and I'm sure you all know this already, but just in case you missed it, India has now become the fourth country to successfully have a soft landing on the moon. It joins the United States, former Soviet Union, and China. And this is all part of the Indian Space Research Organization's mission to get India to have a landing on the moon. Of course, India is the first country here also uh, to have a soft landing on on the south pole of the moon. So that's something that's never been done before. And part of the vehicle that landed there is a lander that is out and roving around the lunar surface. So uh, this is quite exciting for India and uh, super exciting for space travel in general. Uh, The next step for India now is to have astronauts that they're sending themselves up into space. And so this becomes the blueprint by which they can do that. And second part, Part of this news, not to be outdone in any way or form, is that NASA launched uh, four astronauts this past weekend into the moon. And what makes this launch a little different? Of course, as we know, NASA is uh, partnered with SpaceX to do this. But what makes this interesting is that this is the first time in history that four astronauts went to space, headed towards the International Space Station, but all four of them are from different agencies. So we have somebody from NASA there. We had somebody representing the European Space Agency. We had somebody representing the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and then Roscosmos, a Russian astronaut. And then the other thing that's really nice about this is that the European Space Agency piloted the Crew Dragon, which is also a first. So a lot of firsts, a lot of historical stuff happening in the area of space news and super exciting. Thank you for that, Ash. And yes, you're right. Uh, Space news at the top is quite exciting. I watched those um, four astronauts, you know, go into the International Space Station, but it was like a very cramped entrance. And do you know, was those like the sort of shopping stuff they brought with them, all the groceries and stuff that was lying there in the way because it looked a bit claustrophobic there at the entrance. Did you see that? Quite remarkable how these astronauts deal with that kind of a tight space and how they maneuver around. But um, I think it's the the least you can do to get into space. Exciting week there. So back to the, the normal format of our discussion here on a Monday. For those new
new faces in the audience, thank you for joining us. We uh, discuss here in real time the stories from last week, and we do invite you to take part. And so let's kick off with our first story from my native South Africa. There were news there that Ticket Pro Travel Solutions in South Africa has launched a travel as a service offering based on the Spot Nana platform. So uh, we are joined today by Lloyd from that market and from the brand. So I'm trying to get him on stage. There we are. Lloyd, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Do a quick intro and just tell us why you guys decided to go with Spot Nana and uh, what makes this different. Thanks, Ryan. Always good to be on your show. I'm Lloyd. I look after travel as an external consultant for Ticket Pro Travel and Ticket Pro Travel Solutions. We've got two versions. One is our OTA, Ticket Pro Travel, and then our latest uh, acquisition or entry into the market, Ticket Pro Travel Solutions, which is our B2B solution. Uh, Ryan, you know that we've, and me in particular, always looking for ways to disrupt the industry and how do we kind of future-proof travel for the next generation of travelers. I like to say to people, even though it's a bit controversial, my time in travel is coming to an end. So how do we start equipping businesses to use travel as more of an enabler? And how do we use a new modern infrastructure in terms of technology to really drive sustainability, savings, and ease of use in the market? And we went out to market, looked at a lot of solutions, and we thought that Spot Nano was a good fit for what we do. I think what makes us unique is that we have an unbiased content strategy. So we will consume and distribute via direct connects or APIs into any travel supplier. So giving everybody a seat at the table. I really like that analogy of unbiased. That's why I gave you a bit of applause there. Just to clarify, you are going with the solution direct to the corporates or is it via another agent? Direct to the corporates, yes. yes, yes. So okay. we've had four legacy players in the market for the last 20 years. And I think the market is primed for a new player to enter to really offer something different. Briefly, and you don't have to give me the sales pitch here, but um, how is the response in the local market? How's the interest? Oh, Ryan, if I, if I wanted to give the sales pitch, I would, but the interest <laughs> has been phenomenal. Okay. It really has been phenomenal. For we've got, we've got in excess of 300 clients trading on the platform already, and we've seen in the last kind of two weeks a real interest in what we're doing. Congratulations on the on the launch. It's obviously made headlines around the world. I saw quite a few uh, news publications about this, so well done. And Ash, any questions for Lloyd? So nice to have you here, Lloyd. Thank you for coming to talk to us. So I think Spot Nana is an excellent choice. What I struggle a bit with is that we're seeing very, you know, very limited number of real disruptors. Do you think that that will, the success of Spot Nana will trigger others as well? I think there's always going to be a small amount of disruptors. You know, we've always got to have a few Davids that take on the Goliath. And it's until people start to find credibility in new solutions that the migration will take place. But I think with what Spot Nano is doing on a, on a global level, and I know you spoke extensively around Qantas now, uh, Qantas have actually recruited or chosen Spot Nana as their reward solution program. So they are starting, starting to make really good ins around the world mm. with their technology. And I think we'll see more of it. I think there's a lot of new players that will come into this into this space. Is there anything unique about the South African market that made you choose Spot Nana as the platform? In my opinion, I think the South African travel space has got a lot of legacy and disparate systems. And I think the fact that Spot Nana is built on a singular architecture 
and on microservices. I think it gives us a, a place in the market that the legacy company, a lot of patchwork that's been done over the years in their technology stack. And now with Spot Nano, the fact that it's built from the ground up and integrates every component of travel really makes it very unique versus the South African competitor set. I also want to add my two cents there, Ash, from that market. I think there's an incredible amount of smaller businesses and uh, unmanaged travelers in that market, uh, more so than most other markets. And I think for that channel specifically, Lloyd, if I'm not mistaken, this could be quite attractive, right? But also for your enterprise clients, Rian. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always make the analogy, big organization goes out of RFP every four or five years. They have one of the big four or five to choose in South Africa. And then five years up, they go out to market and the same players come to the table again. So I think, you know, if you mm. think about the size of our market, they've had very limited choice over the last 20 years. You know, yeah. they've just gone through the washing machine. And now there's, <laughs> for the first time, a major entry into, into the market. I think we are so hungry for global technology. You think the Australians like to travel, South Africans like to travel even more. We just have a very smaller market. They're hungry. They're hungry for change. They're hungry for something new. And I just love your description there, Lloyd, because I mean, when you describe the the corporates uh, going on on RFPs, I mean, it's that's that's the same in almost every market. It's the same players, and they go through the same process, and there isn't really anything that is that innovative or or, or new. So it is fantastic to see innovation. Lloyd, uh, that was a fantastic contribution. So thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to checking in with you again to see how that's progressed. But thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. We're going to move on to another continent in the Southern Hemisphere, and that's from Australia. There were loads of Australian news last week. Um, I'm just going to go through some of them, and then we'll ask Anne and Ash for their comments. Uh, there was an interesting change by the previous Australian travel agent body after they've undergone quite a big uh, change, and they're now called the Australian Travel Industry Association, or ATIA for short. And then um, the rest of the news was mostly from Qantas. They've announced bumper profits, $2.5 billion for the previous year. Then they've also talked about their new plane orders. And um, there was an interesting post by Edward Russell. Once again, we keep saying this, but if you're not following Edward, you should. Edward Russell just talked about how this uh, change of planes that uh, Qantas is going to do is going to change some of their main hubs in the US, not necessarily just being Los Angeles anymore. Then there was, of course, the whole story about them still sitting on quite a lot of code. COVID credits. There was an interesting interview with uh, the CEO, Alan Joyce, where he's also then said, actually, some of those refund processes via agents, you know, takes a bit longer, etc. And that's caused a few controversies. So a lot of Qantas news there from Australia. And uh, I mean, there's lots there to think about and talk about. Qantas themselves, obviously not a very popular airline with agents in Australia, especially with how they handled the COVID pandemic and holding on to those credits. But any comments there on, on any of those? The result is very impressive, of course, but it's really sad to see the, the refunds and that there's still a problem. I just don't understand why. Then I really think that we should be looking at modernization and payment in, in general, but that's another topic for another day. There has to be a more efficient way to to manage this. But it's really sad because um, all that negativity is just not reflected on agents. Customers are not going to turn around and say, I now hate my travel agency. No. So uh, I, I just don't understand it, commercial, because you, you can't announce the kind of profit and, and doing so well. And at the same time, have this um, obstacle, the, the, the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. I think... Uh, Another reason why they are 
obviously so profitable is their cozy relationship with the Australian government. That story just does not want to go away for Qantas. <laughs> the denial of Qatar Airways, you know, and I say there, I don't mean Qantas, but it is effectively Qantas denying Qatar Airways more flights into Australia as yeah. once again yeah. hit the news. I see even James Goodwin, the CEO of the Australia Airport Association, has weighed in on the matter by publicly talking about this, which I suppose is a big no-no in that market. And it's even debated at parliament level. So it's causing a lot of issues. But the reality is that Qatar itself obviously offer more capacity and reduce airfares for the buying population. But also they're flying ghost flights in between certain points there, which is an incredible waste just to adhere to some of the rules, yeah. right? It's, yeah. uh, it's shocking. Ash, what do you make of all this Australia news this week? It's a bit weird for us to have so much news from Australia, right? I do want to make a point about the credits. I mean, Qantas did try to make some effort towards having people use their credits. They even had a promotion that they put out where you could earn double Qantas points if you used your credit by a certain date. The only issue I had with that whole promotion was that while they were trying to do something and, and show that they cared in this way, it, they didn't give the travelers enough time. So, you know, the promotion came out and before you knew it, it expired. So it was almost like they were doing it just to appease somebody or to show that they were taking some action. But at the end of the day, I don't think the consumer really got to take advantage of it. So it was a nice attempt. I've never seen an airline do this before, which is unique in that way, but it was failed in the sense that it didn't really give yeah. travelers enough time to take advantage of it. Yeah. Something that really fascinates me is that how Australia, with only 25 million inhabitants, can actually generate so much buzz and so much activity. Other stories on my list from last week, and I saw, I see you commented on this as well. There was a sort of an eyebrow-raising story from Rob Burgess about uh, Monarch, failed UK airline Monarch that might return to the skies, right? Interesting story there, Anne. You know, we see this happening again and again and again. And it was very interesting when I read the piece, is the name really enough? Will that be? And, and that was what was questioned in the article. And I, I must say, I agree with that. I, I don't think that the name is enough because there doesn't seem to be, you know, is the market there? What is it that you're trying to achieve? It was supposed to be um, all inclusive or it, it was very, you know, very unclear to me what kind of vision and the market share they were going after. Ash, what, have you, what do you make of the brand, Monod? I think it's a little tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't you don't you know what year it is anymore? Like, come up with a better name. I mean, if you need to have an airline up in the skies, I think we can come up with some new concepts here. I think this is kind of a, a tone deaf effort. What, like global airline? <laughs> yeah, just doesn't doesn't quite fit. May have been a great idea hundred yeah. years ago, but not so much anymore. In your neck of the woods, uh, Anne Ryanair is, is announcing a big base in Copenhagen starting this winter, taking on some of the, the regional competition there. Interesting move by them, right? Very. And that's going to, um, well, we, we knew it was a competitive market beforehand. Uh, it's going to be an even more competitive market now. Uh, I don't know if you saw that the Norwegian published a result, which was actually um, a disappointment. I mean, it was a profitable result, but it was a disappointment from the market. 
All the other airlines are, are announcing bumper record profits, right? It wasn't well received, so to speak. The question, you know, are the distribution costs too high? Ash, have you ever flown Ryanair? <laughs> I have. I think oh once. Oh, my goodness. No <laughs> way. Oh, wow. Yeah. I always get mixed up between Ryanair and EasyJet, so I have oh, to kind of no, look it up. Oh, no, that's so unfair to EasyJet. You know, this story is really cool. I, I was very surprised and super excited to see this actually happen, where an airline can just create a new base and disrupt that entire area and then send off planes to these different markets. And we used to have an airline here called Southwest Airlines in the North American market that anytime they came into the market, it kind of did two things. One is that it brought fares to reasonable levels, which definitely is great for the traveler. The other thing it did was that it put everybody on notice. Hopefully it gets everybody else to step up their game. Absolutely. You're right. And it's very good for the consumers, of course. Vivo Aerobus. They introduced some... No, actually, this was your post, right? Vivo Aerobus about some innovative ideas in their loyalty programs. Why don't you tell us about that? Yes, I just loved it. Well, you know, I I do sound like a broken record when I talk about the opportunity in loyalty and the opportunity to sort of expand your program and, and how you should, you know, more holistic. And they've incorporated buses, Mexico, into their loyalty program. And actually, the program is they're also co branding with HSBC right very interesting move yes but and when you say incorporated buses what do you mean by that so it's incorporated in the loyalty program so you have the opportunity to earn get rewards also on the the bus network and of course it it does create a a platform for intermodality uh, so they have the perfect platform to take it even further well they are called aerobus right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes and, and i just actually I love that. It is a bus in the sky. Um, I just want to turn to the audience at this stage and just to uh, shift gears a bit and say thank you for giving us your time. We do appreciate it, especially today giving a UK holiday. So, Mark, thank you for joining us. I know it's a holiday for you, but it's great to see um, some familiar faces, also some new faces. Franz from Exile, I'm very happy to see that you're here. So thank you for joining us. We do this not to just bring you the news, but also to link you up with other people in the industry. And uh, if you haven't gone through the list of attendees and connected to them, I urge you to do so. We also pick on one per week and make them our link of the week. And uh, not just because you've contributed to us today, but because I generally think it's a great person to be connected to. Lloyd, your days in the industry are far from over. So Lloyd Barclays is our link of the week. If you're not connected to Lloyd, you'll find him there with a double L in his name on the attendee list. Connect to him and um, I'm sure you'll find him to be a very interesting connection in your list of connections here on LinkedIn. So Lloyd, uh, well done for not just being on stage, but also for being our link of the week. And uh, hope to see you back on the show. We do this every week, so hope to see you here again. So thank you for that. And again, thank you for the others for giving us your time today. The rest of my news, but just about new airline routes, some very interesting routes. Air Lingus starting a Dublin to Denver. And I have to say, I also saw another route they were doing. I can't remember who that was. Um, I saw that in a post by Roberts from uh, from Travel Counselors. And then I saw Natasha posting about EasyJet's new London Luton to Cairo. And there was a comment there or another link to a post by somebody else who I follow, who I can also recommend you follow, a guy called Dr. James Pearson. He talked about the fact that that EasyJet's uh, London-Luton route is probably in response to Wizz Air, also starting to fly that route. And then I had one additional route story, which I saw late day, actually, uh, LATAM. 
is announcing a Lima to Heathrow route. And I never realized this, but Heathrow really never served South America. It used to be British Airways out of Gatwick. So there's a new Lima Heathrow route with a five-weekly service starting there. I was going to say, I really wonder why I don't fly Aer Lingus more to the U.S. Mm. Thinking of Aer Lingus to the U.S., why wouldn't I just fly via Dublin then? Because... Like they were saying, I can I can clear immigration yes. uh, in Dublin, and to me that is oh, worth the gold. Aren't they Aren't they just underselling that too? Much? I mean, you, you don't really hear about it. Yes. I would yeah. hear about side, it. Yeah, I'd be painting that on the side of the airplanes, right? You can clear immigration, U.S. immigration in Dublin. So by the time you yes. get and you just walk yeah. through, isn't that wonderful? Well, look, I thank you both for joining us today and uh, giving us your comments there. And for those in the audience, giving us your time, for Lloyd, for contributing there and talking about uh, your integration with SpotNana and for being our link of the week. So thank you very much. We do this each week. But Anne, over to you. For my side, thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. And a special thanks to Lloyd. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn call every week on Monday. And it is all about linking the travel industry. Please do share this event with everybody that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoy today's session, that others that you know will as well. If you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we make the sessions available as a podcast on Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off.